0: The following audio content is a talk given at The Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theinnseattle.org. My name is Becca, and I'm here on staff, and I just wanted to say thank you for coming, especially when it's been a super hot day, and the weather has been so beautiful today that the last thing you want to be is being hot in the warmer room, but um, I'm glad you're here. So we're going to get started. So something that I've been thinking a lot about as of late is with the sunny weather, there's been really fun trips that I've got to go on this summer to my family's cabin. And I've learned that this summer that no one loves going to the cabin more than our golden retriever puppy, Kona. So kelsey got a picture of her. This is Kona. She's adorable. If you haven't met her, currently just turned about 10 months. And... um. Going to the cabin, though, with her is a hoot. Like, you watch her come to life like she's never been before. She's up at 5.30 in the morning because life is too much fun to be sleeping. She is, so she gets me up super early. We let her outside, and there's geese everywhere, and she is just after the birds. She's just running around, barking on everything, she's digging holes. She was the worst a couple weeks ago. We were there, and she found a dead fish on the beach, which she proceeded to play keep-away with me from. So you can imagine the smell was awful later, um, trying to get that out of her mouth. But nonetheless, she has a blast there, and she has all this puppy energy, and something that my family has come to observe about Kona over the times that we're out there is that her true retriever instincts are coming out. We've really observed her to be a true, she's going to be a hunting dog, I think, and my dad's pretty excited about it. And there's this one particular memory that I have of her that is so ingrained from my brain from this summer, is I'm up early with her, because she's up at 5.30, my alarm clock, out there. And so I get up, because I can't go back to bed, and I'm out having coffee with my parents at the kitchen table, and I look out, and I've noticed little Kona is goes up and places herself underneath this painting. So she's—I mean, this—this this, she's looking and she's staring and she's looking at it. And I am—it's like I'm about to see what happens. As Kona is staring at this painting, which has two pheasant birds on it, like they have like <laughs> caught her attention. And next thing I know, she jumps up on her back legs. She put her paws. Onto the wall. And so she's face to face with the birds. And from I'm watching her from behind. And you're watching her head go like back and forth. Back and forth. And she's trying to make sense of this painting. And I lose it. Like, I cannot stop laughing. My mom and dad are observing this. And are dying as well. I mean we laugh, which just sounds awful, but we're laughing because it's like, this dog is so dumb that it can't discern reality from a painting, you know, like we're making fun of her or whatever. And I mean, my dad, my dad is like convinced she's going to be good at hunting if she's convinced about a painting. But, um, as it reflected on this, I realized like, okay, we claim to be smarter about some things and we claim that we, you know, what we know what's real and what isn't real, often. But I have found that so often in our faith journey, we don't have a complete and total picture of everything. There's a lot of things that do confuse us, things that we can't discern, like, is this real or not? Like, is this God or not? And especially especially around the conversation of the Holy Spirit, we... Are dumbfounded sometimes we don't know how to discern what is going on and what we're experiencing you know we may understand conceptually who Holy Spirit is but as we start possibly interacting with him we might not know how to discern what's going on and so that's what we're doing tonight we're gonna dig into this conversation and the real map for tonight is gonna look like this first we're gonna look at what Jesus has taught us in the scriptures already regarding the coming of the Holy Spirit to help us give context around the passage that we're looking at tonight. Secondly, we're going to read about our disciples' experience as they engage Pentecost for the first time, which is in Acts 2, and how they receive received to the baptism of the Holy Spirit coming upon them. And thirdly, we're going to look at specifically the disciple Peter and his specific experience as he engages the baptism of the Holy Spirit for the first time and how we can take what we see from Peter and apply it to our own discipleship journey. So what I hope you guys leave with tonight and we're going to dig into this is that you're going to leave with a greater revelation of who the Holy Spirit is, but we'll be able to see that the Holy Spirit that's alive and well at Pentecost is the same Holy Spirit that's available for us now and today. Before we get digging tonight, I'd love for you guys to pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for this Tuesday, Lord, and I just thank you for the ways that you are with us, that your Holy Spirit is present in this room, Lord. And I just ask God that your Spirit would empower me to speak of, uh, of about you. Um, I pray that you would remove anything in me that's distracting or that's not of you, Lord. And I just ask that you would—I would be a vessel for you, that you would communicate through me, Lord. And I just ask that you would be awakening us to the truth tonight, God. That you would show us that you came to give us life and life to the full Lord. And I pray that we hear the invitation to walk into that God and to be co-laborers with you this night. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So if you've been with us before, we've been digging through the summer series uh, regarding the life of Peter. We've been, we've been watching him from what you might call like baby disciple, and he's journeying his way through as we've gone through um, the different books of the gospel. And so, as we've sorry, as we've examined the life of Peter, we've also looked at his interactions with Jesus because Jesus teaches him um, a lot about how to live with a kingdom mindset. And also, um, Jesus at this point in the story is with the disciples no longer. So I thought it would be great to toss up some scriptures that Jesus foretells of who the Holy Spirit is um, in the book of John. So let's look at some of these scriptures together. So the first one that Jesus speaks about regarding Holy Spirit is he says in John 16, 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So Jesus is saying something about the Holy Spirit is that he's the helper and that he's going to send, Jesus will send him to them after he leaves and goes away. In John 14, 16 to 17, Jesus says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So here we see him and name him as helper again, and there's something about the fact that he is coming to dwell with us and that he will be in us. Jesus is saying, When I leave you, I'm not leaving you as orphans. like I'm sending something to you after I leave. John fourteen twenty six twenty seven he says, but the Helper the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name he will teach you all things, and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace leave or peace I leave with you my peace I give to you. So here we see him he's going to come and teach us things about God. And then the next one says, but when the Helper comes whom I will send to you from the Father the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness, because you have seen me from the beginning. So the Holy Spirit is going to bear witness about who God is, who Jesus is. Um, And uh, the last two are this. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of, of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare it to you, the things that are to come. And I think we can just hit on that, like, Holy Spirit is saying, I'm going, and I'm going to be listening to what God's telling me, and I'm going to come back, and I'm going to reveal to you His secrets. I'm going to reveal to things that he wants to communicate to you. He's going to declare those things to you. And lastly, Jesus says in John 14, 12, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these he will do, because I am going to the Father. So Jesus says, when I go, the things, the way that I live my life, the things that you've perceived about me, you're going to do greater things than I because I'm sending you the one that enables you to do that. So now that we've got a little bit of kind of a clue around who the Holy Spirit is and how he's going to work in us and through us, I want us to fast forward to Jesus' final interaction that he has with his disciples before he leaves. So at this point, context, Jesus has died, but he's risen from the grave, and he's been appearing to his disciples over this 40-day period. And when Jesus shows up in these moments, he reveals a little bit about himself to um, the disciples, and he really takes time to talk about the kingdom of God. And it was in his last interactions where Peter was also present that I want to take notice of. Just before Jesus ascended up to heaven, he gave these specific instructions to the disciples that we can read about in Luke twenty-four forty-five to 49. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and the repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning with Jerusalem. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with the power from on high. So three words stick out to me in this scripture. The first is proclaim. We hear Jesus telling them to proclaim the gospel to the nations beginning in Jerusalem. Basically declaring his life, death, and resurrection to those um, that they come to uh, encounter. Second thing I hear him say is uh, the word promise. He says, before you guys begin your journey of evangelism and serving as witnesses to the world, I want you to stay in Jerusalem to wait for the promise of the Father. And the last P that I hear is the word power. Fear to wait until they are clothed with power from on high. So proclaim, promise and power are three things that have come out of this passage. And after they hear these words from Jesus, Scripture says that he was lifted up into the clouds and he was taken away out of their sight into heaven. And in response, Peter and the disciples returned to Jerusalem as he commanded and they all gathered in the upper room where they were staying together. And the scripture talks about they came together in prayer. They came together in unity and they voted, devoted themselves to prayer as they waited for the promise of God. So now that we got this context of what's going on, sorry to give you this whole understanding, but I think it sets us up for what we experience and read about in Acts chapter 2. So let's get going into the night. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Here we are in the story. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place and suddenly came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And I want to pause right there. Like This is a specific detail that I don't think we should pass by. First off, Jesus said before that the spirit is coming with power. Um, but I am specifically drawn to the word wind that is used here. When I looked up the word wind, it's also the same Greek word as the word breath. And the disciples would recognize that if they're thinking about the Torah or different, um, scriptures in the Old Testament, that ever, anytime you heard the word breath, often God is breathing life into something. Think about Adam when he created Adam. From the dust, he breathed life and he woke up. He, he, what was, um, once, not alive is now alive. He's waking up his hearts, And so as I see this, as I imagine this moment, I mean, imagine being Peter. Like you are in this room and the sound of a strong exhale comes about the room. Like a strong breath. This this loud wind comes in. and It's almost signaling that the Holy Spirit is saying, I'm coming. Because I'm coming to wake up hearts. I'm coming to uh, to bring people alive to something that they've never experienced before. So let's look back to the text. So suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues appeared to them and rested on each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. <coughs> so we've looked at a lot of scripture, but in summary of what happens next, the disciples are all filled with the Holy Spirit. They are. The text says that, um, and in response, they began to speak in different languages. And the Holy Spirit in this moment has come upon them. He's given them a the supernatural gift to speak in a different language. Um, and I think this is one way that the Holy Spirit can empower people to share the gospel and proclaim the works of God. Pentecost just means the day that the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit came. It's just like a day, like an event, if that makes sense. Um, so the scriptures say in this very moment that there's also, this is super awesome, there's also what these devout Jews that were in Jerusalem. And it notes that they, were repre- that they were representing every nation that was under heaven at that time. So every person representing every single different language from around the world is in Jerusalem in this moment when they receive the ability, the supernatural gift, to speak in different languages. And all these Jewish men start to hear the works about God through the disciples. And to me, this is just incredible because what I hear standing out is like they're not just hearing their language in particular. They're hearing about what the mighty works of God are going on. And the response of them were what they were made they were perplexed about what was going on. Yet also, there's people who were confused and started mocking them about what they were seeing and experiencing. And this is just the beginning of Acts. This is just the first story recorded where the Holy Spirit supernaturally empowers and comes upon people and equips them with power, gifts, and ministry of the Holy Spirit for the work of evangelism. And that's a definition that I want you to leave tonight as you start to comprehend and understand who the Holy Spirit is and his role is that he is one that empowers and comes upon people to equip them with power, gifts, and the ministry of the Holy Spirit for evangelism. So, we're going to transition to Peter, because his story is what I think is really important. And I want you to also recognize that Peter is not left out of what God has in store. This whole summer, we've learned about the person of Peter. We've learned that he's one of Jesus' closest buds. But at the same time, he's that disciple that messes up all the time. He's kind of, like, he's a guy who blurts out stuff that he wish he could take back. It's like he put his foot in his mouth, you know, or... We've read, like, I spoke last time on him going out to walk out on the water out on the waves, and it was in his doubt that he sank. Or Grant talked about that he was praying and he fell asleep when Jesus wanted him to pray. He's sleeping. Like, there's so many times, and especially Jesus even, or Peter even denies knowing Jesus three different times. So if you look at this guy's life, you might think, wow, he's really unqualified to lead people to the faith. But in God's eyes, Peter is so worthy to declare He is so worthy, not based on anything that Peter's done. And that's the first thing that I want us to hear tonight, that Peter in his own flesh wasn't able, but the Spirit inside him enabled him. Peter wasn't able, but the Spirit inside him enabled. Jesus told him, he said, you're going to do greater works than me because of the helper that I've sent to you. So now what the Holy Spirit has come and he's filled Peter to this point of, of overflow, right? And this next scene in Acts is Peter standing before the the people of Judea, and he lifts up his voice to address them, and he speaks with this power that has clothed clothed him from on, on high. And this is the start of Peter's sermon. So it says, But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, saying, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and give ear to my words. For his people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And I want us to really hone in on this. In the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. So we're going to pause here let us recap what Peter just proclaimed. Peter wants us to hear that God pours out his spirit on all flesh so that he can bless the church. And the spirit will equip people with these various gifts, each individual to the person, but with a purpose of becoming the full expression of Jesus to the world now. Peter quotes Joel from the Old Testament to inform us that through the natural or supernatural equipping of the Spirit, we will prophesy, we will see visions and dream dreams to encourage and to evangelize, to tell people about God. And over the last couple of years, I've become so curious about who the Holy Spirit is. Now, growing up, I heard about the Holy Spirit, but I've never really known him for myself, I would say. And so I figured the only way I was gonna get to know him was by setting aside time to pray and like ask God questions, like come to Him with my doubts, and trying to figure out what's going on. And the more that I sought after Him and pressed in, into the Spirit in prayer, I just felt my heart wanting to know Him more and more. It's just like burning to get to know Him. And so I contended and I said, Lord, I want to, I want to know You. I know, I want to know the depths of Your Spirit, and I want to know these things not so that I can be satisfied, not so that I can give these things from God that make me feel good. The reason why I want to get to know the Lord and experience the fullness of his spirit is so that he can use me to go out onto this campus, out onto this neighborhood to tell people about Jesus, so that they can hear about who the Lord is, so this neighborhood can wake up and come to find faith in Jesus Christ, to experience the freedom that he has in store for them. And I'll be the first one to tell you, I am so unqualified for this. I'm so unqualified. I'm just like Peter. I mess up all the time sin all the time i say the wrong things i could keep on to telling you more the reasons why i don't fit this picture perfect disciple person that talked and walked like jesus and lived the lifestyle that he reflected while he was on earth like i don't my lifestyle isn't jesus despite how unqualified i am god sees me differently He sees me differently. And I've started to experience the first thing in these things Peter has talked about because it is God who says who I am, and I don't get to decide who I am. The first thing Peter says is your old men will dream dreams. Now, I wouldn't say that I'm an old man yet, but the Lord still has a promise here for me. So the Lord has been speaking to me in my dreams over this last year. The first couple times it happened, it was like, I was, Does anybody know this is going on? Like, what is going on? I was trying to make sense of these like really vivid dreams I would have. And I wanted to share specifically one that happened this last month with you to just give you insight. Because I thought, hey, if the disciples early on were talking about the mighty works of God, I might as well try it out and share with you about the mighty works of God that I've been experiencing. So here we go. So a few weeks ago, I had this dream where... If you guys have ever heard of the worship artist Jeremy Riddle, he's randomly in it for no reason that I can explain. And he's walking me and a group of people down the street and he's pointing out what God's doing on this road. And there's maybe about 30 of us. And next thing you know, he turns around and poses this question to our group. And he, I don't remember specifically what it was, but it was just like, yeah, some question. And no one in the group answered. It was like awkward crickets, you know, like everyone's kind of standing back. And I just remember observing the moment. And next thing I know, he comes straight over to me. He grabs me by the hand and he's like, Becca Renneker, I read your application and I read the things that you said that God's doing. And he grabs me by the hand, pulls me up in front of this group and says, Becca, I want you to tell everybody here why you think God is revealing himself to you the way that he is. And I'm just like, What's going on? I have like, I'll tell you the worst response in my dream. I didn't know what to say. And I think I babbled something of like, I don't deserve it. God loves me. And maybe it's just his grace that he would reveal himself to me the way that he does. So as I finished telling him that, I'll never forget looking at Jeremy's face. We're not even friends. This is so weird, but I like, I remember looking at him and he's looking back at me and he is crying like there are tears that are just streaming down his face and i'm i'll tell you why they matter later but i he looks at me and he said the last thing you said before i woke up was becca you need to have the authority in your thought life to carry out the things that god has called you to this year and i woke up and i just remember lying in bed being like what did he just say to me it's like you need to have the authority in your thought life to carry out the things that god is revealing to you As I lied there in bed, I realized the Lord was giving me direction in my sleep. He loved me too much to let me continue feeling insecure and to listen to the lies of fear. He was saying to me, like, back of this neighborhood needs you, it needs you to be confident in who Christ says that you are, because I want to use you. There's there's areas of your life that I want to lead you into, but you got to know who you are before I can take you there. And I remember asking the Lord, like, why was he crying in my dream? That was so bizarre. And the Lord, right after that, Said he was crying because he saw what your thought life could keep you from if you chose to listen to it. There's people he wanted to bring into your life that you were too nervous to interact with. And I share this to you. Why? Because I think God will speak to us in fun ways. Like, he's fun work. He's got really good creative ideas of how he wants to communicate to us. That being my dreams and You know, I've had countless others where I've had some of you guys in my sleep. You'll tell me things that are going on, and I'll text you the next day, and it's exactly what's going on, and it's bizarre. But he uses it to jack me to people, to bring hope to people, to speak life and encouragement over people. That's super fun. Peter also mentioned that your sons and your your daughters shall prophesy. So here's another fun story. So prophecy... If you want to know, it was really just an act of encouragement. It's one of, you're edifying somebody, you're sharing or consoling others through the spirit-led words. And um, my husband, Michael, gave me specific permission to share the story. Um, but about a month ago, we were having some conversations around a vulnerability, because that's hard in marriage. Um, and if any of you know Michael... He's over there. He's, like, in the best mood all the time. Like, you, it's hard to get Michael not in a good mood. Like, he's happy. That's how people know him. Happy-go-lucky Michael. And over time, I've come to see that despite how happy he is, which he is most of the time, it is also a little bit of a wall of denial that he puts up because he would rather not engage internally with what's going on. And so he's just happy Michael. So one night, I was like, hey, I think I noticed this being a trend and stuff going on like we should we should talk about it you know i really want to like work together with you to encourage you in areas like this and i know it's really hard for you and he was really receptive to it props him and uh, started and i'll say over the next couple weeks he started becoming pretty vulnerable with me like he would say things and um, he's gonna hate me for saying this, but he totally cried one night, just like actually engaging with what was going on. But, so for me, it was really hard to watch him, like actually engage his pain. But at the same time, it was just like, the Lord is working and this is awesome. So two weekends ago, I'm with some friends and I'm with this guy named Brad and he was a friend that I met in like 2009 at a summer camp. So imagine you went to Young Life camp like in 2009 years ago and haven't seen this person, so they know nothing about your life. And all that this guy Brad knows is that I'm married and I work in college ministry. And I was like, hey, would you consider praying with me about my ministry and like what, what God wants to make me do at the University of Washington? And so he prays with me about that. And then halfway through, he totally changes the subject. And next thing you know, he just starts naming Everything that's going on. He goes, I want you to know that God is touching your husband right now. I was like, what? He doesn't even know he's being touched, but I saw your husband opening up to you. Like, he would speak out something and step back and be like, wow, I've never been that vulnerable before. I've never, like, shared my my emotions with you like that. And it's really, I see it. It's taking him off guard. And I see him kind of crying, actually, in front of you. But he's actually really, like, feeling his emotions. And it's... um. And God said, you know, he wants you to know that it's a behavior that he's learned from somebody in his family, but right now he's breaking that off, so he's teaching him how to engage in what's going on. And then he mentioned some other things about stuff going on, and then paused for a moment and said, but at the same time, I want you to know that Michael is in a good place. And then he paused, and he's like, is that his name? And I'm like, what? Like, he knew his name? He knew exactly what we've been going through? Like, he, like, But he's like, and then he goes, oh, yeah. And God said he's always in a good mood. And I'm like, how does he know? Like, he's always in a good mood. But all that to say, like, he just said, like, the Lord is helping him connect with his emotions right now. And that's what's going on. And he says he's going to be a completely different person in the next couple months. And he basically ended by saying, like, Becca, God is hearing your prayers. He's hearing the things that you're asking him for. They aren't bouncing off the ceiling and coming back down. In this moment, like, I'm teary, you know? It's like, I feel so known by the Lord. Like, it is so encouraging to be, to know that, like, my conversations that I'm having with him, like, he's listening and would use this random person that he brought into my life on a Sunday night to proclaim and declare these prophetic things from the Lord. And, and then it was, like, coming home to tell Michael, like, wow, this happened today, and how are you going to respond to it? But it was so encouraging for him to know, like, God isn't a silent God. Like, God wants to interact with us in these beautiful ways. So why am I sharing this? I'm sharing these things because they are mighty works of God. And just like the other disciples did, like my hope is that it would build your faith up to inform you that the Holy Spirit empowers his people to minister to others. And there's numerous other ways that he would that he's gonna interact with us and equip us and use us. And you can dig into the scriptures to look at the different ways that the Lord loves to communicate to us. But what I want you to hear tonight, secondly, is that you're not. Left out of the mission, you're not left out of the mission. Jesus said, "Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these he will do." Zane, you're not left out of the mission. You're not left out. Jesus said, "If you believe in him, you will do the works that he does, and he will, and you will do even greater works than he will do." That's just why. That's what he says. Kara, you're not. You're not left out of the mission. You're a part of it. You're going to do greater works than Jesus did. And he wants to use every single one of you in this room to do incredible things for the kingdom of heaven. Jesus himself promised us this for those who believed. That through the bearing of his name and being empowered by the spirit, we would continue on in his works and partake in the advancement of the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus has so many gifts to bestow upon all of you. To go about and walk with his spirit and bless people with. Peter's sermon takes a bit of a shift just following this. And there's parts that I left out because it's so long. We would be here all night. Um, but, and I'm really sorry. This is very thorough. Um, but what I love that comes next is, yes, Peter shares about all these different things that how the Holy Spirit operates. But we see, what we see next is Peter has a deep conviction to proclaim the good news, to proclaim Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. <coughs> Looking at Acts two twenty-two to twenty-four, it says, "Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God, will, with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it." He was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption, this Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. I love this, because Peter takes a step back to remember the foundation of everything, the good news. Power of the Spirit and the gifts that He releases on or from heaven onto earth, and the signs and the wonders that are revealed and that, that He talks about—none of this matters without Jesus. None of it matters. It all hangs on Him. Look at what we just read in verse 24: God raised Him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for Him to be held by it. That is one heck of a sentence. Everything the Holy Spirit does is going to remind the enemy that he can't win. Like death can't win. And it's in this moment where Peter has the attention of thousands in Jerusalem. And he says the enemy has no power because of what Jesus has done by conquering death. And what the Spirit does through us is he's going to release his light everywhere. He's going to release life He's going to use us to bring more life, to remind the enemy that he can't win, that death doesn't win. Life and life to the full is for you. Following this sermon, nearly 3,000 souls were added to the kingdom that day. 3,000 souls because of what happened through Peter. And the Holy Spirit opens hearts to receive invitation for good news at the same time. When we're obedient. And the final thing I want us to walk away with tonight is what I said earlier in the beginning that the Holy Spirit of Pentecost is the same Holy Spirit for us today. The baptism of the Spirit that Peter received is for us too, and you are not an exception to to God's promise. God declared that he would pour out his Spirit on all flesh, and he wants you to join in on the mission of waking up hearts with him, to walk in his power, to declare the good news, not so that you can boast, not so that I can boast, but so that we can boast in who the Lord is and reach people for Jesus. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and there's an immediacy now more than ever before to co-labor with God for more souls to the kingdom. I want to close with this really quick story, and then we'll pray. Fourth of July night, I'm driving back home from my cabin because you have to work on Monday, so you don't get to stay late. And we are leaving from just outside of Olympia, and we probably left around like 8.45. And we did fireworks on Saturday night, the night before, so I felt like I had my fill. So Sunday night, Michael and I are driving back. It's probably on like eight forty-five, nine, and we get on I five, starting in Olympia. We start driving north, all the way back to Seattle. And it was like the best surprise that I did not expect. Imagine driving up five and the entire time it is just fireworks that are going off. It was like boom boom, boom, and it's like an hour and a half show for me that I didn't know was coming. It's just like, look at that one. Like, Michael keeps driving, look at that one. Like I am just sitting there like, I couldn't believe these fireworks were phenomenal. And like me and my narrow head was like, only the fireworks are good at our little like cabin. The next thing you know, like I'm getting wowed by everything blowing up in the sky. And what we didn't plan on, which is the most epic part of it all, is as we're driving through Seattle and passing like just past Mercer Street, When you're starting kind of the the freeway kind of starts to rise and you can see over Lake Union, Lake Union fireworks are going off. And if you're if you've ever gone to watch them, you see them blow up really like high in the sky, like they're blowing up right next to the road. Like I am seeing the most enormous fireworks exploding next to me. And I'm just in awe. Like it is the best hour and a half drive I've ever had back home. And um and it was like and we got back and I was just like I can't believe you got to do t- that. was awesome. I'm like, I just didn't expect that to be what happened, you know? And it was in that moment where the Lord, it super fun, and he spoke to me, and he just said, the work of my spirit is just as vast as what you saw. All the different fireworks you saw exploding, like that's how my spirit is moving all over Tacoma and Seattle and Olympia, all over this nation. It is going off. And he said, just as you've seen the fireworks slide up the sky all over, the Holy Spirit is even more at work bringing light to the darkness. And he said, and I'm gonna use you to reach my children and tell your friends that they're invited.